welcome. You are listening to Grace Capital Church Podcast. Well, good morning, and uh, great to have you in church with us today, and uh, oh, God's good, isn't He? And for those of you who might not know if God's good or not, and you're here just checking Him out, I want you to understand that you can be comfortable in checking out God here, that you don't need to be a certain way, you don't need to act a certain way, you can just be you, and uh, He'll meet you right where you are at. Well, before we get into the message today, I wanted to share with you um, something that happened this week, and um, I don't know about you, but you know, with technology today and texting, it, it sometimes can get you in trouble if you don't read your text well enough before they get sent. And uh, that is what happened today. There was uh, there are a couple girls that are that are working on a project for me, and and they were asking me a question, and. Um, and they they responded back, you know, kind of tongue in cheek, and they said, you know, the things that we do for you, Mark, dot dot dot. In other words, you know, we're going all out for you. And uh, and I just kind of matter factly just said I wasn't kind of in I was appreciating them, but I just said I, I am so grateful. And I just that was my text back to them, and I'm so grateful. And they thought that maybe I was just being too uh, too firm on that, like they they were joking, and I'm not being joking back with them. And they, they said, just kidding, it's our pleasure. This one girl said, just kidding, it's our pleasure. Um, and then, so I wrote back of them, and again, just being you know, kind back to them and responding to it. And when I say them, it's because it was this girl and she was with her uh, friend um, that was doing this. And so if you look at your phone, you'll tiny, the word kidding, by the way, is K-I-D-D-I-N-G. And if you look on your phone and see what letter is also next to D, so I respond back and she says, just kidding, it's our pleasure. I says, I know, um, you are big kissers, that's why I like you. (laughs) And um, instead of kidders, I wanted to say big kidders, you're big kidders, that's why I like you. But instead, I was telling them that they were kissers and I like that about them. And then, then I quickly saw my email or my text, and I quickly, I was like, what did I just do? And I says, oh, sorry, kidders, oops. And she says, oh my goodness, that, she said a different word, but that's awesome. I'm laughing out loud. And this other girl is like, what? And I said, really? I'm panicking now. I says, really? Look at your phone. The D is next to the S, really? And she says, whatever. Anyways, I went on to say, please don't blackmail me uh, later. I quickly, I quickly shared um, this with my wife, and, I, and my wife has access to my phone at any point in time, but I, I was thinking that, oh my, how inappropriate that might be for somebody just to read this, that I like girls who are kissers um, instead of kidders. Well, that kind of relates to what I'm going to talk to you about today, because, you know, if I were actually liking girls who were kissers and not kidders, and yet I was married, and by the way, I'm I'm married for 22-ish years, and thank you, yes, and except it's 23, so now I've just got in trouble, okay, one extra clap. So here's the deal, though, if I was going around and I liked other girls that were kissers, what would that make me? I'm a married man, A a cheater, a rat, unfaithful, 
right? I wouldn't be very faithful if I'm going around kissing other women. Well, just to be clear, I'm not going around kissing other women. <laughs> I am being faithful. But, but Jesus also wants us to be faithful. Do you realize that we can be cheaters on God? We can also be cheaters on God. Because here's the deal. If we get too familiar with our world and our world systems, and we become so enticed by them, it's actually like we're making out with the world. Okay, maybe not. You know my analogy. Here's the deal. We could be unfaithful to God when we become too comfortable and cozy with the world. Jesus had something to say with this. This message, this series called The Bride, if you're just joining us now, this is week two of the new series called The Bride. It is really looking at the bride of Christ. We, the church, are his bride. When I say church, meaning people, any person that considers them a follower of Jesus becomes the bride of him. And Jesus will return at some point in time. It could be any moment, and he is looking for his church who is ready and faithful to him. He's looking for faithfulness. And so we've been looking in the uh, book of Revelations, and if you have your Bible, you can turn there with me. Revelations, uh, if you don't know where that is, it is the last book of the Bible. And uh, in Revelations chapter 2, It goes on to list, and three, it goes on to list these seven churches that were actual churches in the day and age when John was receiving this revelation. This is about 90 years after Jesus was on the earth. John receives this revelation on the island of Patmos, which is a Greek island. And so these churches exist in what we consider modern-day Turkey. It wasn't called Turkey then, but it was, it's today modern-day Turkey, actual churches. So today, Jesus had something to say to the church in Smyrna, and we're going to read about that. And then we're going to apply it. What does that also mean for us today? So this is what he says. And to the, this is uh, verse 8 of chapter 2 in Revelation. And to the angel of the church of Smyrna write, The words of the first and the last who died and came to life. Who is the first and the last who died and came back to life? Jesus. Jesus. That's who he's, he's talking. The words of Jesus. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not. I want you to think about this for a minute. And the slander. Do not fear for what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison, and that you may be tested for ten days, and you'll have tribulation. He says, basically, behold, I've got some great news for you. You're going to face persecution. You're going to be tested. You're going to be thrown into jail. How many of you would just like jump up and down at such news? He's telling him ahead of time. But then he says this, be faithful, be faithful unto death. Now this word unto death is 
You might read this. Let me finish the sentence. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. When you read about it being put into jail, you almost think, okay, are they being imprisoned, and then they're going to be, you know, killed? Maybe. But I also think what it's actually saying is faithful unto death. In other words, faithful until you finally die. And you might die in your ripe old age. You might die tomorrow. You might die in 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, 90 years. But be faithful until you leave this earth, is what he's saying. And I'll give you the crown of life. The crown that he's talking about here is the victor's crown. Uh, Early on, the Olympics, when they would uh, have their meets, the victor would receive a crown and that victor's crown would be the, the one that would symbolize, here's the winner. Here's the one who crossed the finish line. And it's the same idea that, that we get to cross the finish line as a victor if we've been faithful until the end. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Okay. The one who conquers. Conquering is like the one who overcomes. The one who, sorry for those of you who are sitting behind poles. I try to move enough so you guys don't have to crank your neck. But I see some of you guys starting to look around the pole. My apologies. Conquering. Overcoming. In other words, there is something that we're going to have to overcome. Do you think being a follower of Jesus means you've signed up for Easy Street? I don't know what book you're reading if you think it is, and I don't know what Bible you're reading if you think it is, because it is not when we give our life to Jesus, it is no longer just, hey, great, I got my ticket to the pie in the sky, and it's going to be easy street. No, it is going to be this walking it out. And he even says to the church, these are believers, and by the way, you're going to be slandered. Slander means it's People are going to speak negatively about you. They're going to speak falsely against you. Then he says, and by the way, some of you are going to be thrown in prison. Now, today I don't believe, at least today, it might be different in the years ahead. I have heard, actually, when I was in Honduras, um, I knew of somebody that knew somebody, so... You can see how factual it might be. But anyways, that ISIS is truly on the other side of the border in Mexico. This person knows one of the border guards and says, yes, ISIS is taking over a lot of these gangs and is at the border waiting to infiltrate into the United States, which they're probably already here anyways. But that's not type the persecution I'm talking about today. But I do want us to know that level of persecution may come to our country, and you will need to make a decision of how are you going to respond to that. And today might not be a bad day to say, how will I be faithful? How will I be faithful? But really today what I'm going to do is I'm going to be talking about this idea that when our cultures clash, one thing you need to know about this city, this city um, of uh, Smyrna, that is actually a, um, a city on the coast, and it also had a mountain range right next to it. And the mountain that, that the city was on also was Mount Pagus. And Mount Pagus was actually a phenomenal 
place because on the top of this mountain was a panoramic view of the city, and it was called the crown. And what people would do is they would journey from the, um, from the seashore and the ports, and they would come up to the crown of the city, and they would look down on it. But on the journey up there, there would be temples for ritualistic activity. There would be shrines, and there would be worship to Greek gods. And actually, this city was known as worship of Caesar. Now, the idea of that we really aren't faced with worshiping Caesar today, I mean, we don't have any statues of Obama in our cities. And if we did, I don't know what we would do with them if they were in our cities today. But we don't. We don't worship these statues of our political leaders. But what does that also look like today? Is there anybody else that we might worship in our culture? And we might not say we're bowing down and worshiping, but how much do we worship our friends in Foxborough Stadium? How much do we worship, I don't know, things in our media? Do we have shows that are just like so intriguing that we can't get away from them? Do we have certain things in our culture that just become a pull to us that eventually we start to look a little bit like our culture? The reason why there was persecution for these guys, there's slander against these ones because the Christians looked different. Now, physically they didn't look different, but they acted differently. They weren't worshiping Caesar. So they were being told... You are unfaithful to our government. You are unfaithful to our leaders. Don't you know that you should be worshiping Caesar? And they said, no, we worship only one God. They were being slandered. Hey, by the way, don't you know that you're causing problems in our our culture because you are not giving yourselves into this, by the way, this beautiful city. This city was so magnificent. It was the third largest city in that area, in Asia Minor. It was gorgeous. It was filled with art. It was a culturally elite. It almost would be like a, a au Paris, Paris, the culture of art and great architecture. But the problem is the people were so determined that they had reached the pinnacle of great society That whenever somebody would go against what this great society was, they would be ridiculed and persecuted. I know we think the society we live in today is pretty great. United States of America, we have a way of letting the world know that we're great. We try to dominate and conquer the world. We try to let everybody know how great we are. But the moment that as a Christian... We begin to walk a little bit different than our culture the moment we start to feel this resistance. Now today, I have to honestly say, it's a little bit easier being a Christian today. Why though? Because our schools have done a great job teaching tolerance. So it's like whatever you believe is okay because there's a lot of other beliefs out there. So we've become very tolerant. But where it does become a little bit of an issue is this is when you're out hanging out with your friends at a party and everybody's drinking and drinking in excess and getting drunk and, and, and you say, you know what, not into that. And your friend's, oh, come on, what are you doing? 
No, so I'm, I'm good, thank you. What? You Jesus freak? Oh, little baby, Jesus freak. You know? Uh, maybe that doesn't happen quite so much. But this. You don't have anybody tell you in a baby little tone that you're a Jesus freak? Probably not. <laughs> I just made that. I'm sorry, it's a bad illustration. Okay, so here's the deal. Maybe this. Maybe having sex outside of marriage. Culturally, that is actually becoming acceptable. Even as Christians, by the way. Okay, before you misunderstand what I'm saying, the Bible does still say sex outside of marriage is wrong. I'm going to be talking to you more about that next week. Actually, am I here next week? Maybe I won't be the one talking to you about that. All right, so I'll have the chance to talk to you a little bit about that right now. 60% of Christians believe that sex outside of marriage is okay. Isn't that amazing? A study that was just done. But anyways, so culturally what is happening is we're beginning to say maybe these things are not so black and white. Maybe it's okay to kind of join in with culture. And this is what happened with this with this. With this church, they weren't joining in, but they were being ridiculed for not joining in. Have you faced ridicule for your faith? For not participating in certain things in culture? And I have to say, if you haven't faced ridicule, it poses the question, is either our society so tolerant that you can believe what you want to believe, or... Do we just look like everybody else? That we just act like everybody else? And is that okay? But maybe it's not okay if he's calling us to this place of faithfulness. That he's saying that maybe you have been kissing the world too much. Or maybe because you haven't been kissing the world that you are being faithful, but because you're being faithful, you're now going against the culture and you're being persecuted. This whole idea of persecution, this might be a strong word, but here's the concept. Have you ever stood up for what's right and get the lash back from it? If you haven't, I don't know if you haven't, but if you have, it's not fun. It's painful because somebody is making a judgment against you that might not be correct, or they're making fun of you because you are trying to be faithful. Here's the problem with all of this, though, is we've been trained from a very young age that when we face something that's painful, we try to avoid that very thing again. Give you an example. How many people have touched either a hot stove or a, a wood stove or a burner that was on that you didn't know it was turned off and you, you touched it? Ouch! That hurts! So the next day, you're really smart and you want to actually experience that again, right? <laughs> of course not. It's like, ouch, that hurts. Brain goes, says signals, don't ever do that again, Right? 
So what happens is then we equate that to then we, our own faith and says, well, as we're journeying on with God and we're trying to live for him, as we're trying to be faithful to him, and then all of a sudden we stand up for what we believe is right. And somebody says something so hurtful to us. Somebody calls us a name or somebody does whatever. Ouch, that hurts. So what we do, our brain has been trained to say, well, I better not do that again. But every single time we say, I better not do that again, all we're doing is we're becoming less and less faithful to the one who wants us to be faithful to him. We then just become very easily lulled back into our culture and the cultural norms. And I said, I better look like everybody else. I might be able to believe something different, but my actions better look like everybody else. Otherwise, I'm going to get hurt. And this is why Jesus is saying, basically, consider it great that you're going to face trials. He says, don't worry. You might be put in prison. Don't be afraid. You're going to suffer. Why does he say that? And why does he also give us a scripture? Consider it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. Because the perseverance perfects our faith. What it does is it helps us to become, it trains us to become more faithful. Okay, just in case I'm like all over the map today and you're trying to figure out, where's he going with this? Okay, I'm just going to give you the cliff notes real quick. The topic is faithfulness. And we're talking about, okay, if you're choosing not to kiss the world, okay, not being unfaithful, we're trying to be faithful. And as we're being faithful, what happens is in our faithfulness, our culture always clashes, ouch, hurt, ouch, ouch. And if we're not careful, we begin to lull ourselves into the place of just being like the world. But then he says this, that we are to be conquers, that we are put, supposed to overcome. And the way we overcome is when those pressures and when those clashes come, it means that we don't buckle under the pressure, but we are fortified in our faith to become stronger, to be more faithful. The other thing I, I want to be clear on, because it's probably only going to be two of you that listen to this and say this, Okay, persecution's actually good. Let me go out there and grab my wooden cross and I'll drag it down Main Street, Laconia. So everybody knows that I'm a Christian and I'm willing to do the hard thing. And if I'm persecuted, then I know that I'll get a greater reward because I'm persecuted. Okay, that's just, just for, I'm just talking to two of you now. So just for the two of you for a second. Please don't do that. That's not what I'm talking about. You do not have to purposely get weird and crazy just for the cause of Christ. I'm, what I'm saying is this. If you are going to be very natural and real about your faith and your genuine love for Jesus, there will be situations in your path that you're going to have to make a decision. Am I going to stand for righteousness or am I just going to mm, the slippery slope of compromise? And when you stand up, though, here's the thing. It's going to be painful. 
And when it's painful, do you shy away from the next opportunity that God gives us to face difficulty? Let me give you a story, a story to, uh, to illustrate this. A few years back, actually more than a few, probably eight years or so ago, um, I owned an apartment building in Concord, and I had hired a contractor to do the roof on this building. And this one day, I, I, I showed up to the job, and there was just one guy on the job, and they were tarping uh, the roof, and uh, the one guy says, you know what, my boss is gone. Uh, he's asked me to work, but, I, but he's not here. He's off on another job. He goes, and I haven't been paid. Do you have any money? I'm staying in a hotel, and I, I don't have any food. Do you have any money to help me out? So again, my heart reaching out to us like, God, what would you do? Jesus, what you do? Okay, you look after somebody in need. All right. So I typically don't have uh, larger sums of money with me, but I went to my car and it was right after Christmas. My parents had given me some cash for Christmas and I pulled out a $50 bill. I says, here you go. Let me help you. I says, pay me back if you can. If not, just consider it a gift. Because he told me, I'll pay you back. I'll pay you back. So later that day, this guy falls off uh, a third-story roof and uh, lands head down on the pavement, on the sidewalk, has all kinds of brain injury in the hospital for six, seven months. I visited him right after uh, it happened. I actually prayed for the guy. Well, two years later, um, I get a phone call from an attorney who is letting me know that, well, actually, sorry, I didn't, get a, I didn't get a phone call. I got a knock on the door from a sheriff who is handing me a writ of summons that basically saying I'm being sued. Long story short is this attorney, which if there's any attorneys in here, I know that they're very good attorneys, but this particular attorney was a sleazy kind of attorney who went and found this guy who, by the way, the guy who fell off was now in jail for abusing a woman, found this guy and found out that, oh, there's, he fell off, so it's an accident. It pro- if the guy owns property, he probably has money, and if he has money, he probably has insurance, and he goes, this could be a real win for me. I can get a good insurance settlement out of this. Coming after me, $600,000 is what they want from me. Now, eventually, my insurance kicks in, but meanwhile, out of my pocket, 4000 out of my pocket to pay for this situation because why? Here's the moral of the story. Why? Because I was charitable. I acted out of compassion to somebody in need. My heart of compassion all of a sudden came up with a culture of greed, a culture of I'm going to get something for nothing. And what happens is after going through that incredibly painful process of being dragged out for a year and a half to still the insurance company settled on, and I can't believe this is why this crazy stuff happens because they actually did the very thing he was hoping that would happen. But anyway, so you can still tell, breathe, Mark, it's okay. It's all gone now. (laughs) It's all done. It's over. But what would happen? Do I now say, you know what? My heart of charity in that situation, I am now... Lock in those pockets, baby. There's no way I'm being generous with anybody again. Would that be the right response? No, it would not be. So here's the deal. I've got to say, all right, God, it's all yours anyways. But I need to be faithful 
to you, even though I've come face to face with a form of persecution in responding to the Lord and being generous. And I came in, in contact with this culture, a selfishness. And I rubbed face to face with it, shoulder to shoulder with it, fist to fist with it. But God says, are you going to still be loving and generous with those in need? Still, if you're going to be taken advantage of, oh, will you still do it? Lord, it's painful, but yes, I will. And see, this is what he's telling this church. He says, you know what? It, you will face trials. You will have difficulty. But in the face of this, will you still be faithful to me and not shut off? Not be the people I've called you to be. You see, when everybody else around you is saying, well, it's okay. Everybody's doing it. Just do it. And you stand up and you say, no, no, no. And then the the fiery words come back in you and it stings. I know it does. It hurts. I know it does. But would you still stand? Would you still be faithful? Did I talk to you yet about the second death in this scripture? The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. So we talked about conquering, overcoming. So basically what this is, is, is when you have those fiery darts of accusations, you can't be crumbled by them. You overcome them. In other words, how you overcome them is, is you keep standing strong in the face of them. But what he's saying is, those who conquer will not be hurt by the second death. In other words, those of you who are faithful to the end. So the second death, what is this? You can look at this actually in Revelation. It talks about this somewhere else. I believe it is in Revelation 21. Yeah, it is. Revelation 21 verse 8 says this. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable. Oh, by the way. That second one, faithless, the opposite of faithless is faithful. We've just been talking about faithfulness. The detestable, as for murderers, for sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Our first death is when we leave this natural earth, we die and we, our bodies um, are dead. The second death is this final judgment that we will have all have an opportunity to uh, experience. And we don't want, whether your interpretation that is, is this is a refiner's fire, or whether your interpretation is, is this is eternity in burning place, either one is painful. You don't want to be there. And he's saying, the unfaithful will be there. And he's saying, those who will remain faithful until the very end will receive this crown. As those who conquer, those who keep faithful will not experience this second death.
Really, it was out of that experience about that crazy lawsuit of me being generous, then me being going through a crazy thing that I ended up making this my life verse. My life verse is in Habakkuk 3, 17. It says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the, uh, the olive fail, and the field yields no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll take joy in the God of my salvation. Why did that become my life verse? Because I realized that my hum- humanness, my human frailty, might very much lull me to the place of saying, I will just kind of compromise when, the, when things get too difficult. As long as things are going well, as long as I have money in the bank, as long as I you know, have good friends, as long as I, things are going great, then, then God, I will praise you. But the moment that people come against me, the moment that, that the greedy try to steal my hard-earned money, by the way, it's not mine, it's the Lord's. I learned that one too. God, if you want to take it all away, it's yours. But though I have none of these things, cattle, fruit, basically, life pretty much is hard right now. Even though life is very difficult, the one and only thing that I need to be focused on is, yet I will praise you, which means as long as I have my right relationship with you, God. As long as I'm being faithful to you, all else can crumble. All else can come against me. Even persecution to death, it is okay. Is it fun? Absolutely not. Do I wish I don't have to go through trials? Absolutely. But I've got some great news for all of us. Trials are coming. Woohoo! You're going to leave here rejoicing with a little skip. Trials. Trials are coming. All right. So, but all of that to say is when trials come, will you be faithful? Will you be faithful to the end of your days? You see, faithfulness is being true even when they come at you. Faithfulness is being true even when they come at you. They come at you with those words of Jesus freak. Why do you have to be so religious? By the way, I can't stand this idea of somehow that I'm religious, <laughs> but it's the people's terms to help define this thing called our relationship with Jesus. They come at you with teasing and taunting and saying, well, why do you have to be so different? And again, I'm not 
I'm not making a call here today for you to get weird for Jesus. Please hear me. But I am making a call that we are faithful to him, that he is the Lord of our life and there's no other but him. That we will not bow down to all the other idols in our society that will want to draw us, that will want us to worship it. And really all that is, is where are we putting all of our time? Where are we focusing our energy? What comes before God becomes an idol. And he's saying, you know, trials are going to come. And you can skip and sing the happy song because he'll be there with us and he'll help us persevere. He'll help us endure. And that endurance creates perseverance and that perseverance creates everlasting an everlasting faithfulness and a relationship to our Lord and Savior. Father, I pray this morning that That when we're kind of dished a plate of ridicule, a plate of judgment, a plate of slander, the Father, when we're dished that, that we're okay saying, I'll come back for seconds. But God, how can that be? That sounds so wrong that we would be willing to go back for seconds on all of those awful things slander, ridicule, judgment but Father we know that it's why do we say yes it's because we want to be faithful to the end God we are so mindful that this world around us will pull us will encourage us to compromise, will try to persuade us to give in, to try to convince us to not be different. Oh God, I pray that, that I myself do not just want to become a chameleon to, to hide out in camo, to be camouflaged, to look just like this world. God, I want to I love this world. I want to go not in protection mode. I want to dig in deep into this world and to love people. But God, hold me fast on the inside that I might be true and faithful to you as I go into the trenches to find those who desperately need you, Lord. As I begin to share your, who you are with others. As I begin to share this hope and love that is found in you, Jesus. And as I hold fast and true to the conviction that you've placed inside of me, that your Holy Spirit has spoken, 
And when the taunting words come and the ridicule comes, Father, and and the hardship comes by doing what's right, Father, let us stand strong, our shoulders back, our chest out and saying, oh, but Father, in all humility, only by your grace can I stand. Father, though there are no cattle in the stalls, though there are no grapes on the vines, and though there are no figs on the trees, yet I will stand and praise you Though this culture comes against me, Father, though this culture wars a, a, a war against my very soul, but yet, Lord, I will stand in faithfulness to you. Now, mindful, Lord, I am a human and I will fail, but Father, I pray that you would quickly allow me to learn those lessons and stand back up again and, and with repentance and say, God, I'm sorry. Build in me these these opportunities that I can still stand in strength for you. Let me not get wishy-washy. Let me not cowered away from standing up for you, Lord. Let me be strong in my love for you and my love for others. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about Grace Capital Church or how to get a copy of this broadcast, please visit us online at gccnh.com.